Only the leagues? Only the Alliance leagues. You're very welcome to the Alliance Irish Examiner Gaelic Football Show. My name is Paul Rouse and I'm joined by the former Armagh footballer Ushin McConville and by Tony Lean, the sports editor of the Irish Examiner. Tony, we're going to talk a little bit about the GPA first before we move to football. Were you able to do your job this weekend? It will, to the largest extent, uh, Paul, we were. Um, you know, this this broke on... Saturday afternoon, our own GA correspondent John Fogarty actually had the story, and I would say within the within the hour, I was getting a WhatsApp from the PRO of the Kerry County Board, basically saying didn't look as if there was going to be interviews after the Kerry Mayo game in Tralee. Now, I think a little bit of context is important here, Paul, when people talk about our ability to do the job. Generally speaking, the days of, as Oshin will tell you, the days of walking into dressing rooms and having chat with players, or even getting players to talk to you after games are very limited now anyway. I mean, you know, you might get a manager these days. The chances of getting a player after a game for a good chat, like unless you're literally going to stand outside the dressing room door and corral them into a corner, are very limited anyway. So I think what happened over the weekend didn't prevent us doing our jobs. But what did happen over the weekend, obviously, is we went from a story-breaking um, on Saturday to the material influence of it Saturday night and Sunday, and then news that Tom Parsons obviously was going to go on the Sunday game last night and further ramp it up with a stance that I'm not altogether sure was productive in terms of, I would think, the, the broader general public. And let's face it, if you don't have the support of the proletariat and these things, Paul, you're, you're not, you know, you're going backwards straight away. I think there's a general sense amongst the, the general GA public that intercounty players do collectively train. Uh, and I think that's the important word, maybe three nights a week. And they do their own gym sessions or their own other work, maybe a couple of other nights. Am I right in saying that Tom last night seemed to be suggesting that there should be uh, recompense for more than three nights a week. Certainly, I think four or five was even mentioned. Um, I think there certainly were points over the course of the weekend from the, from the GPA that were relevant. I mean, Parsons said the majority of players had not received expenses since 2022 training began last December. So, you know, there are obviously legitimate issues there on the player side. The prospect of ramping it up this week, Paul, I'm not certain how productive uh, or how beneficial that will be. And there are obviously events this week. I mean, there's an Alliance, there's an Alliance League sponsorship event on Wednesday. And obviously you have a double round of the football and hurling uh, leagues this weekend. So you are talking about the capacity for this to get a lot messier over the next seven days. So the 2022 expenses not having been paid this year, is obviously the context of this is that the negotiations were ongoing and it would be interesting to know to what extent <coughs> GPA reps had instructed the players not to apply for expenses before the deal was signed off or to what extent this is this local solutions have been put in place. So to lump that on the county board would seem to me to be unfair. 
what I think is after happening is a deal was done largely agreed between the GEA and the GPA last week or the week before. The GEA then approached the treasurers of its county boards about that deal and the treasurers balked on the deal because, of course, the 65 cent a mile is played largely locally. There is a GEA subvention of about 17 cents or 20 cents agreed. I think it's down to 17 and the rest of it is paid is paid locally. And on top of that, there is a nutrition allowance uh, on any given week, which as well as payer players being paid, being fed after training to get 20 euros a week. And then there's a boot allowance or a gear allowance of somewhere three to 400 euros. Now, nobody can say, I'm not trying to argue in, in any shape or form that players shouldn't be looked after for their expenses or, or anything like that. That's not the point. But I am confused. And I am I'm confused about the points that were being made by Tom Parsons last night, because number one, if money has to be raised locally by county boards to pay, those guys are volunteers as well. That's the first point. The second point is, in 2018, the GA and the GPA commissioned Ailish Kelly from the ESRI to do a study of how hard it was to be an inter-county player, whether they were students, and Tom Parsons referenced the 30% of students, 30% of the membership who were students yesterday evening. And this was referenced in that report that Ailish Kelly did she set out the sheer scale of the number of sessions that were being done, the amount of time it was taking out of players' lives and their incapacity to build either a student career or a working career because of the fact that they were playing inter-county football. Now, where I'm confused is I thought that there was an attempt to limit the number of sessions and that this was, was a way of, 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 of doing this by having three to four sessions a week, which seems to me to be a lot for collective sessions as things stand. So the third point um, I, I, I want to make is that if there are local solutions and people can pay for additional sessions locally and they need to be negotiated locally, that again is further evidence of a disconnect between the very richest counties and the counties that are struggling. And again, it creates a further divide. I think the whole thing is, is a mess. I think there's an absolute failure of leadership here on behalf of uh, the GA at central level. And I wonder what they have agreed to do with the GPA and whether they just sign off on, on, on everything. And I don't think Tom Parsons did himself any favours uh, with, with uh, his, his performance on, on, on the Sunday game last night. Oshin. Paul, <clears throat> am I right in saying that, you know, there's four sessions, you're allowed four sessions per week, collectively? Including, including the match, would, that will be, that's the one that will be jointly funded by, by Croke Park and uh, the county boards. So the additional fourth session or the fifth session? The fourth, up to four. Okay. Seems so, to be the argument. I mean, these are all, these are negotiations that are ongoing. Okay. So uh, what I'm thinking is if, 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 if four sessions were squared off, just like um, Tony has said, that that should be enough collective sessions. I imagine because of logistic, logistical reasons that um, gym sessions t in the large part are being done away from uh, collective sessions. So, I mean, I think that that current agreement looks as if it could uh, almost cover everything. I think it's a very uncomfortable conversation whenever you're dealing with um, expenses and you're dealing with the amount of people within the organization who are doing it for absolutely nothing. And I think that's where um, the GPA... I've always said about the GPA, you get one chance to make a first impression. The first impression I didn't think was great, and they've been playing catch-up ever since. I've always said that with the GPA, you need to get out in front of things. I look at the PFA in England, how they do their business. 
and how to get out in front of things and uh, and I suppose quell these things before they get to the stage where they got the last night. I feel, <clears throat> now you're telling me that there's been negotiations going on, but I feel as if this is something which has been ramped very, very quickly. You know, that, you know, instead of, you know, sitting at that table for a little bit longer, we've gone to uh, nuclear on it very, very quickly. And um, I don't think it, it prevents, this is only me for looking from afar. I don't think it prevents journalists from doing their job because I think we're getting very little from players, except for a couple of counties, except for a couple of counties. And the All-Iron Champions are probably uh, uh, an example of, of uh, how they've been able to run their business and still win All-Ireland and still give you um, access to, to a lot of their players. I know that, um, that that is a complete turnaround from where Tyrone were a, a number of years ago, but it just shows that both things you know, are not mutually exclusive, that they can run side by side. Um, on the GPA, um, I was actually surprised that the I didn't know that it was it was sixty five uh, cent a mile. I I thought that seemed quite high. Well, I'm probably thinking about my own time when I think it was twenty or twenty five or so, mm-hmm. something like that. Um, the way diesel prices are going, they're going to need about sixty five quid uh, a mile by the time this this thing is over. But I do think that when you talk about when we get into this sort of stuff. Um, and you see that the deal that the GPA have done previously, I think it makes it very uncomfortable to hear them uh, talking about, you know, pulling players out and stuff, because I genuinely don't think that players are going to do that. And I think if that is put to the test, it'd be interesting to see what happens in the next number of weeks. But as far as players not being available to do interviews and that, doesn't really, I don't really, I don't think we're really... Uh, we're really any the poorer for it because I think access has been something which has been um, diminished slowly but surely in the last 20 odd years. Paul, am I right in saying, uh, and I, I, as I said, I think you have a better sense of this than I do, but am I right in saying that it was uh, uh, players would be recompensed for three sessions a week and there was a concession made to make that four sessions a week collectively? And that anything yeah. after post that COVID, yeah. That's the post COVID. Yeah. Post COVID I'm talking about, yeah. And that anything after that is basically left at the front door of the county board. If there's any other additional uh sessions, gym costs, whatever, or expenses beyond the fourth one, that it's left to the county board to pick up. Is that correct? Entirely, but the county board pay a huge amount of the first ones anyway. Yeah. Like it's not like the GPA centrally fund training sessions or fund the mileage entirely for the first four sessions anyway yeah i just i'd like to actually uh i'd love to interrogate or be a fly on the wall in the room uh on the decision for tom to go on the sunday game last night because um number one joanne cantwell is a is a terrier of an interviewer and won't hold back and it looked to me like tom was I won't say backed into a corner, but was put on the spot to the extent of, okay, you've done this this weekend. What's next? What's next? How is it going to be ramped up? And that's never a good place to be um, when you are, you know, at the beginning of something, you know, I would imagine the GPA would like to think they had a very legitimate case. So we need to look at, not sorry, we don't need to look at, the GPA need to look at, okay, what do we do next? What's the next move now? Because 
the GPA made their initial move. It didn't obviously have uniform support from management because as many managers like James Horn didn't speak to the media in Trelease Arden night, Jack O'Connor did speak to the media. There were others didn't above in, uh, in Tyrone didn't speak to the media yesterday. But um, I know that Parag Joyce certainly spoke to the media and said he had no interest in the GPA and he never had. So, you know, certainly I know it's a player issue. Um, you would imagine if it was a player issue so strong that a manager wouldn't want to actually break ranks with his dressing room. So the fact that you had a number of managers who were more than willing not to listen to what the GPA had instructed their players to do I think is instructive in itself. So so what I find interesting here, are, and I think this has to be said clearly, um, I, I know from being, from knowing the county footballers in Offaly and a couple of the hurlers, and from seeing the footballers who are in UCD, county footballers from, from around the country, and I have not met one of them who are in this for money. That's not, that's that's not what the... Sure. That, yeah, sure. I will just make that clear. That it's clear that these guys are not in it for money, and these guys have no problem. Have no problem with 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 people getting legitimate expenses. And it is there are demands made on players who can't take part time jobs, for example, if they're students and and they're because they're playing with their county. And I, I I get I absolutely get all that, but what there seems to be in the GPA's negotiating position again is a failure once more to understand that this whole enterprise is founded on a huge volunteer endeavor. It's a mountain of voluntary work that makes possible the raising of funds, the provision of facilities, and everything that goes with the development of clubs which provide players to play for their county. And if you're going to if you're going to die on a ditch, die in a ditch for expenses, it seems to me that arguing that there should be five or six sessions a week possible as your signing off point for a deal in which you've previously seen a report which you supported which talks about the adverse impact on players mental health from training five or six times a week is so illogical that it absolutely destroys your own case we should talk about football Agreed. we should talk about football Oshin, the dubs are back well, I, I thankfully I didn't write them off. It's just yourself and uh, <laughs> Kieran Sheehan a couple of weeks ago. But uh, <laughs> there was a semblance of something coming together in in uh, in Kildare. I, th I thought that, and, and not just as simple as Johnny Cooper coming back in and 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 sitting in that role, but they definitely looked as if yesterday there was a bit of planning together. They definitely looked as if you know there was a little bit of protection for a fullback lane. But uh, to, to be honest. The three things that I had highlighted were the, were the, the protection for the full-back lane, the speed of transition, and, and, and the decision-making up front. But the speed of transition was the, was the big thing for me. How quickly they moved the ball. Um, how quickly they, they come off the shoulder. Um, question marks over a lot of those young lads who, um, who have come into the team. Obviously, wasn't as many of them there yesterday starting. But uh, there was enough there to... Uh, and I think... They didn't have to think about it that much yesterday because there was a real emphasis on moving the ball quickly. Uh, very few players taking a solo, taking a bounce, um, and I think that suited them. And I think, you know, after 15, 20 minutes, the, they realized that the, the mojo was, was back. And it looked as if, like, a team that were actually enjoying it. And when you haven't won, you know, in, in four games and 
uh, you're struggling down the bottom of the table, and you see that table of the of the um, the form gate of all four divisions. You're sitting at the bottom of it. It must have been a pretty chastening experience over the last couple of weeks, but there was a semblance of something against Kildare. And one thing you couldn't argue with was like when you're down there, and as I said a couple of weeks ago, when you're in the trenches, you just have to come out swinging. And uh, there was a bit of swinging done in Kildare, but yesterday there was more measured approach um, than they had done. But they moved that ball so quickly. I was so impressed with the way they moved the ball. And then to be able to control the game the way they normally control it, even the Dean Rock, and I hate people fisting the ball over the bar, but uh, just that that one there where, you know, he, he, he could have took it on, it could have missed, you know, momentum sort of swings, but he wasn't allowing that to happen. Uh, those two scores were crucial. I think it put them 13-6 up. And, uh, but the thing I was impressed with was nobody was e- eating the lace out of the ball. It was, it was moved and it was somebody off the shoulder. I thought they looked, they looked yesterday uh, as poor as Jerome Ware. I thought there was a real method in what they were trying to do. And to be honest, a real change in what they had done in the previous weeks. So you have to give them credit for that. Um, I still think there's a, there's, a, there's a nice little bit of work for them to do. I think they'll, uh, you know, Tyrone in, in, in two months down the lane would be a, a very much a different proposition. But um, I thought just if we were just going to talk purely on the dubs, um, I was impressed with the way they transitioned the ball, uh, how they, when they got on top, <coughs> were able to stay on top and then how they managed the game. So there was a lot of good things for them. But look, at them up. Throw more off of the really were were really really poor yesterday. What's gone wrong there? Um, I, 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 this is this is just me. This is just me knowing thrown inside out. I don't think the two boys who are on the sideline as much as they didn't look happy yesterday. I don't think they'll be that unhappy with the way things have gone because. Throne have always needed a why or a cause, and uh, and and you boys over the next couple of weeks will give them plenty of cause. I'm not going to do that, um, <laughs> but they'll get a little bit of fear there, is there? They'll, well, yeah, they'll get a cause. They'll get a cause because you know uh, people are questioning them now. And yesterday's performance was really, really poor, really, really poor. And some of the guys who have come in. Uh, like the Donegal game, I think was the big one when I when I seen them playing Donegal, and that's a game they should have won very very comfortably and would have done last year and and probably would do later on in the year. And for them to lose that game, they looked pretty perplexed leaving the leaving the pitch the other day, but or leaving the pitch that night. But uh, yesterday probably was as as poorly as I've seen them playing in in a, in, in quite some time, but. The thing about the thing about them is that, as I say, they, they like to have a cause. So being down the bottom of that division and having to claw their way out is is, is probably just where they want themselves at this stage. I mean, the cause that they'll, I mean, the the cause will be the last game of the league in Killarney, pushing because you know we all know what happened in Killarney uh, last year, and I'm agreeing with you. I don't think Dewar and Logan will be the slightest bit concerned. Number one. You've been there and you've done that. You're reigning All-Ireland champions. It's a different conversation with Dublin because, you know, you're looking at Dublin and asking them basically, is it the end of an era? You're looking at Tyrone literally in a post-All-Ireland winning scenario. And, you know, 
okay, they did, they did look flat yesterday and they had a lot of big hitters on the field yesterday. It wasn't that they were missing six or eight players or anything like that. But, I, I mean, look, if they did go down to Division 2, you know, let's, you know, we can talk about these kind of scenarios. Obviously, it's completely different. If you look at a Cork going down to Division 3, it's completely different to Tyrone going down to a Division 2. It doesn't materially influence what the two lads will do with Tyrone over the course of the next six weeks. Um, they will get the worth of 10 training sessions in their last two league games. Their last two league games are against Mayo and away to Kerry. So they're going to be cracking uh, indicators, really, of not where they are, because they know where they are, but where they need to go, what they have. I mean, Eamon Fitzmaurice, in fairness to him, has mentioned in the paper in the last couple of weeks that, and you probably know this yourself, Ocean, I know you backed up an All-Ireland winning season with a final appearance the, the next year again, but winning an All-Ireland like that, it certainly does mean that you begin the following season with the handbrake half on psychologically as much as physically so in that sense as i said if it does mean they drop to division two and it's ironic that on the basis of one dublin victory we seem to be suggesting that they're going to spirit to freedom now and everything is going to be everything is all right with dublin again and i know they've done it all next weekend i'm genuinely if i'm a tyrone person right now uh, i'm with oshin i'm certainly not I, I'm not i'm not even looking around for a panic button never mind pressing it oshin um You've written off Kerry earlier this year. Are you? Have you changed your mind on the on the strength of their uh, Mayo win? Ridiculous thing to say because uh, I never. I actually said that Kerry. <laughs> actually said that Kerry would win the league, and they're sitting pretty, and they probably will win the league. Um, they have passed a couple of the challenges that that, to be honest, uh, you know, they needed to pass. Um, I think they've they've. They dug deep. Um, they've shown that there's plenty of fight about them. Um, I think defensively they're starting to take a little bit of shape. Uh, still a bit of an issue with uh, with kickouts and stuff. But um, again, that's something that that will that's a work in progress. But look at the real tests for Kerry are to come. And obviously, when you're playing in Monster. You know, it's it's important to make the most out of the league, and that's why, as I say, they'll 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 probably win the league. But the the challenges really for Kerry are, you know, proven later on in the year that you know when you come up against somebody who's going to effectively park the bus against you, who's going to nullify the space that, you know, when you see Clifford coming around in the loop, I mean, sure, like it's lovely to watch, it really is. You just mightn't get as much of that later on in the year. And to cut down space around him, um, Sean O'Shea, uh, Gini, um, if you can, like, it's very difficult to nullify those guys, but if you can cut down the space and, and, and play them on the break, I mean, that's still something that they have to prove that they can win a game like that. Um, and I think they've probably got as much out of the league as they probably would want at this stage. I think they have two opportunities now to clean up, as I say, those uh, in particular the kickouts. Um, and I think from there, th there's not really a, a lot more that they can get out of it. And then they have to sit on their hands basically until they get the next challenge down the lane because that's not going to come in monster. You know what I mean? So. 
like yeah, as it's, much... it's interesting, isn't it, Oshin? If you if you think about it, like Cork, Cork cannot come from the situation that they're in at the moment, and and beat Kerry or even really be competitive against Kerry in the Munster Championship. It would seem Clare looked to have flatlined in Division Two again, four point they've they've four points yeah. on the board, and they're not absolutely clear of relegation no. yet. By the no. way, the way it's the way it's after falling, they probably won't be relegated, but they're not clear. Yet Limerick are not going to be promoted from Division Three, although they have made 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 progress. Taper having a renaissance, but it's in the middle of Division Four. So Kerry are not going to play a serious match from a fortnight's time, well, the league final on the second or third of April, yeah. until really the end of June. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, and as much as as much as people will say to me, right. Uh, ulcers of dog fightings, all that there, but you're getting tests and you're getting match ready and you're getting a little bit of rhythm. Very difficult for Kerry to get any sort of rhythm. Do you know what I mean? And you know, it, who knows what way you know, you know what way it's going to go from there. Like as far as you know, the draw and all that's concerned, or who's going to who they're going to be facing. But that's why they need to make the most out of the league and. So that's why, you know, when you're looking at the league at the start, you're thinking, you know, this is the league is so important. Like as much as it's important for everybody and it's important for the bottom of division two and the top and the top of division three and all those ramifications, it is so important for Kerry because the next time, as you say, they'll they'll get a proper game will be June. Tony, what's the mood like in Kerry? No, I mean I'd agree there, uh with with nearly everything that Oshin has said. You know, I mean the league I always look at the league and I always feel that certainly laterally that the two counties that the league should matter most to are actually Dublin and Kerry, Sim- simply because of the opposition that they will face or not face at provincial level. Uh, I think for Jack O'Connor, I think Saturday night was a good result. I mean, we've actually pushed the narrative on this show, I think, because it needed highlighting more than anything that, you know, Kerry over the last decade or two have been spooked close to the finishing line in big games. And I think it is now an issue in the Kerry camp. But I think probably the most pleasing thing about Saturday night is A, the fact that they dug out the win, but more importantly, B, they dug out a win without Paul Murphy, without Gavin White, without Sean O'Shea, without Paul Ganey. You know, they're four big, big players. I mean, they're, you know, they're starters in any scenario. And, you know, Sean O'Shea for me is amongst the best three footballers in the country. So that's a, that's a, that's a big bonus. Um, they have two league games left. They're away to Armagh next weekend, and then they're at home to Tyrone. And in terms of the priority, Paul, is the priority for Jack O'Connor winning the league or utilising those two league games with a view to the championship? It's all day B, all day. So David Morn is coming back. I don't see David Morn as a starter for the championship, but they're certainly going to need him at some stage. So it's crucial that they get some minutes into him, either next Sunday above in the athletic grounds or in Killarney against Tyrone. Uh, Joe Connor, who injured himself in the Munster Club game against the Bars, is back now and looking as well. Because realistically, and Oshin touched on it there, when you look at the areas that Kerry need to get right over the next couple of months, you're looking at the keeper situation. They need to make a choice there. And I, as a Kerry supporter, I'd have no anxiety about that because Dermot Murphy is one of the selectors and he'll oversee that. But I think definitely the midfield partnership is the other big issue. They need to pin down a midfield partnership, not for the Munster Championship. I often 
look lads if i'm trying to get creative at any stage with a bit of writing about what kerry are doing kerry have this gorgeous meadow in front of them and that's the monster championship and beyond that meadow then it's full of landmines for them because once they go beyond monster kerry are perennially under the pressure and i know you're smiling paul are perennially under the pressure of one bad day and their season's over and that's catastrophe in kerry and it happened last year it happened the year before i would argue still the all-ireland semi-final last year the game in cork the year before the 2019 all-ireland final they were all three games that kerry could and should have won but didn't win and that's if, the end mayo lost those three matches we would we'd never be done hearing about how mayo choked yeah did you hear i'm not disputing the word you're saying there i think that kerry blew the 19 final they blew cork 20 and they blew the all-ireland semi-final last year so that's why jack o'connor says on saturday night it was great that we dug out a win here and some people might have been scratching their head and going what are you talking about it's a league game in truly in a saturday night but i think it was more important than the two points for them to actually get into a bit of a dirty wet saturday night dog fight against a team like mayo who are extremely physical top three team in the country and come out the good side even though kerry for me i have to say i thought were very average on saturday night some of that is down to conditions but i thought they made a lot of really bad decisions literally from the kick out to the full forward like actually was wondering whether kerry had a lot of training done during the week i, thought, I didn't think they were absolutely flying um no. at the game i wasn't impressed by mayo at all uh i think they still don't have a midfield partner to play with Matty Rowan, I think the forwards, I think the backs are still good. Again, no news in that. And their forward solutions are still not top range. They still are short of those couple of absolutely top range forwards. Now, Ryan O'Donoghue was brilliant, but who else is going to get them scores when 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 it comes down to it? It's 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 not it's not obvious there. I want to talk about Division Two, Oshin for a minute i want to deny you the opportunity to talk about our mass uh surge to the league final which we'll talk about that next uh we'll talk about that next week next year no yeah <laughs> it's a dog fight in division two roscommon Derry, and galway locked at the top roscommon played Der roscommon played Derry yesterday in atrocious conditions down there in the second half i think there were 18 cards in it 12 points apiece and next week Galway play Derry, and then the following week, Galway play Roscommon. So those three teams are are absolutely, absolutely locked uh, at the top there. And at the bottom, you have Mead and Clare just slightly ahead of Down, Offaly, and Cork. Cork and Down have one point each, and Offaly have three. It's it's a dogfight at both ends with huge implications. I don't think the implications are for the Talchin Cup, by the way. People keep saying, oh, you won't get to compete in the premier condition or a competition if you get relegated from Division 2. If you get relegated from Division 2, you have much more issues to deal with than worrying about whether you're going to win Sam Maguire or not. So how do you see those going? I think for me, one of the games I'm really, I've been looking forward to for some time is, that, <clears throat> is the goal with Derry one. Because I think um, we, we we can keep saying, you know, about, about Derry and moving the trajectory is good and and all that sort of thing but yesterday was probably the first test in a while and and uh, they, they didn't pass that test i didn't think um i thought they were second best for large periods of that game i think um 
Next week it'll tell the tale. And it'll tell the tale for a couple of different reasons. It'll tell the tale as far as, uh, you know, Derry's coming up against real quality in Galway. Galway, Galway have real quality footballers. Um, but I'm just wondering as far as Derry's ability to shut down big forwards, uh, top class forwards, and um, Galway defensively have a big question, question to answer next week if they can do the same at the opposite end of the field. And then it becomes some sort of dogfight uh, because that's an important uh, it's an important game for, for both teams as far as even momentum and that's concerned, especially Derry. Because, like, Derry have had nothing but plaudits, nothing but, but positivity. You know, um, they've they've sailed through the league un, unhampered and all of a sudden they hit a bit of a rock yesterday. And uh, it's how they how they go now and, and back it up because even though Derry have 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 moved things along, they look like much more cohesive, professional uh, outfit. You know, you've seen them firsthand, Paul, and and Tullamore. Mm. You know, and how ruthless they can be. But still, a, for me, just a, still a bit of a question mark over them when they're, when they're playing against it when they're playing against the top top teams you know they're just they just i thought they looked very loose yesterday very very loose and 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 uh there's probably a bit of pressure on them now as well and that's how you operate when you're under that little bit of pressure so as i say you know it's okay when you're sailing through games and you're beating the opposition that you're probably expected to beat but we're scamming our no mugs and 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 uh and galway Galway are an interesting prospect for Derry because Galway like to play that that free flowing football. They like to move the ball into the full forward line nice and early if they can. And uh, I don't think Derry have played against a team that that really wanted to do that this year. So um, that's what makes this such an interesting game. Um, so so I agree with that. Except Galway went down and played Cork and conceded. 217 and played completely open now I know they were much tighter against Clare at the weekend but if 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 Galway go and play open against Derry they'll lose I think if I think if it's if it's if Galway are tight at the back I think I do think I do think Galway will take Derry I think Galway are a little bit I think they're I think they're a couple of points ahead of Derry but Roscommon are still tipping around there and the last game in that league with Roscommon Galway in the Hyde Park that what a what, what a game that could be to, to finish out that end of the table and down at the other end there's a monster game for Cork footballers next weekend when they go and play down in uh, up 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 in uh, it's an away match that's 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 huge for Cork football Tony yeah no that's actually in Cork Paul oh is uh, it in Cork yeah it is that's in Cork next weekend uh, well no I'm open to correction on that but uh, no I'm 95 yeah, I think it is yeah it yeah, is I think in, you're right actually Tony on reflection yeah no it is in Cork um I'll tell you a couple of things happened over the weekend uh, again which you've not, which you've neatly sidestepped of course like it was a huge win for Offaly above Indo that was a, that just was just modest people modest people Tony right okay okay <laughs> um I actually had a quick text conversation with Tomas uh, over the weekend and he actually thought like that they should have won by more. He actually thought that they're beginning to perform a small bit now, that things are beginning to come together. It doesn't matter really at this stage, whether they won by one or 10, it was a massive result. Now they're at home to Roscommon, uh, awfully our next weekend, you know, 
will I just I think it'll be very interesting but as you say that the key game really now is Cork and Down I think all along Cork it isn't well it is actually a certain level of disinterest in Cork that there hasn't been enough conversation about Cork's plight but I think even amongst the football people there was a sense that okay our last three games are Meath down and awfully and we've enough about us to get out of that okay well option one is gone in Navin yesterday uh, and comprehensively defeated. You know, when you talk about must-win games, basically, for me, they're gone if they don't beat down next weekend. They're gone. Um, and I, if you can't beat down, and that's no disrespect to down, but if you can't beat down at home in a must-win league game, then I'm not certain you really should be in Division 2. You've got to, got to win that. It's ironic there's a misprint, Paul, in today's examiner. Uh, Cork or bottom of the table and whoever set the, the tables last night instead of one point we have them on 12 points oh, which I can tell you is wishful thinking, wishful thinking by someone in the graphics department last night because one point has to become three points uh, for the next weekend I know what you're saying to Paul about bigger issues than the Talton Cup and it's not the worst thing in the world People have said if Cork end up in the Tottenham Cup, but there's a second part of that sentence, and that's as long as you win it. You know, people are talking about ah, you know, it's not the worst thing if they finish up in the Tottenham Cup. If they win it, they can use it as a springboard. You've got if you're going down there, you've got to win it. If you're not, if you're going down there and you're not winning it, then I can tell you, you're looking upwards, and it's a long way back up. Um, and uh, like I know that there's a lot of concern in Cork about Cork football right now. I think there's a lot of people are being forced to hold their nerve right now. They've gone with Keith Ricken. They've gone with a new management. Keith Ricken has gone with a whole load of new young lads to try to, you know, to infuse the squad, to try to bring them back. Everybody's saying it's a two, three-year project. Everybody's saying, you know what, I'm not scared of relegation. It's all sounding great. It's all calculated to keep everything on an even keel but I'm coaching a minor team in Cork and the same players I'm coaching in football are also playing hurling at the same level and if they're looking up for someone to aspire to and something to aspire to they're not finding it in the Cork footballers right now and so it is a serious concern the state of Cork the state of football in Cork right now so many, so many, Paul, so many similarities, right? So many similarities with Derry and Cork, I think, for from three, four years ago. And so Rory Gallagher goes in. So, Tony, when you're talking about Keith Reckon going in and bringing new players in, all of that is fine. I don't have a problem with any of that. But what I do have a problem with is, right, so Rory Gallagher comes in and he gives them basic structure, basic principles to follow. Okay, I watched I watched Cork. I've tried to watch Cork in every game so far this year, but I've, I've I've honed in on the last two in particular, and there is no make, shape, or form to the way that Cork play football. Um, there is no continuity from one week to the next. Uh, I'm not even talking about personnel. I'm talking just purely and simply about how they're structured, um, how they play out from the back. Uh, how to get a plus one or plus two in there. None of that is happening with any regularity. So 
if you're a young lad, you're coming in to play with Cork, like, like what, what, what you just. You just out there and and sure look at it, if it if it happens for you it happens for you and sure if it doesn't it doesn't I mean like there, there has to be more of a structure to the way a Cork play football and I I hate structure I hate structure as in you know trying to determine every play that sort of happens because Cork have a couple of players that can play off the cuff as every team has and every team that has those individuals will be given a certain amount of leeway as far as you know they're not overanalyzed when they give the ball away and and things like that because the, the 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 negative stuff you're going to get from them is going to be outweighed by the amount of positive things that they do in a game and how and how they're able to influence a game like that. These guys are not being given the opportunity to influence the game in that way, and because that's because the structure just isn't isn't good enough. And yeah. I've watched them now, right? As I say, hone in in particular in the la in the last two weeks, and it's just not happening. And you know, we talked had the same conversation about the dubs and how they left a fullback line out out to dry. I mean, like if you're if you're in if you're a cork player, I'd say you're sitting in a meeting with your eyes sort of half closed, going, "Please don't have me in the fullback line," because if I'm in the fullback line, I'm going to get fucking left hanging out to dry. I'm going to be hosed out of it, and that's not down to you as an individual. That's down to the fact that there's no structure. That when they go forward, they find it very difficult to get back. We talked about the pace um, last week about how they lack a bit of pace just in that middle area where they really, really need it. And uh, if you're lacking it, you need to get some pace in there and and alleviate some of the guys who are good enough to play but just probably don't have the same pace. Um, and how quickly they get in and give you get, like simple stuff now, like just give your fullback lane a bit of a dig out and. You've just been left hanging out the dry. I think, and, yeah, and I think identifiable is the word. I mean, and Keith Rickon, and in fairness, he's a very loquacious, interesting, decent man. Um, and he's already hung his hat on the fact and said he wants in a year's time that even if the teams were playing in black and white on the TV, that you'd be able to identify which team was Cork from the style of football you're playing. So I'm going to try to be glass half full, Oshin, and say that that's a work in progress. Uh, John Cleary is doing the coaching. Uh, I certainly can tell you from Castlehaven's point of view, and you've probably seen the Oshin over the years, they have an extremely identifiable kicking game um, that I would certainly advocate for Cork. Obviously, all these things depend on your personnel. But what you're saying right now about Cork football is you are suffering the pain, hopefully, with the prospect of long-term gain. The only thing I would say about what Oshin has just said is it is fair in the context of that this isn't a recent problem for Cork. This isn't something that's just developed this season under Keith Ricken. And that is the result, Paul of changing management and changing S&C and changing coaches with the regularity that there is, that there's no continuity. And when Conor McCarthy, the former Cork footballer who did a bit of writing for us, was a Cork selector under Padder Healy, when he came out of the tent afterwards, that was one of the primary issues he actually identified. The fact that there's so little continuity in Cork and that everybody is bringing their own ideas, their own S&C, their own football coaching to the table. And what Oshin is describing there 
is a mishmash of the last half a dozen, maybe 10 years. So Cork have a choice. They basically, well, sorry, they don't really have a choice. I was going to say they have a choice, but what, what option do they have right now other than sit on their hands and hope to God that Keith Ricken and John Cleary and the selectors know what they're doing? I watched Offaly down on the weekend and I thought Offaly were a better team. I thought Offaly have improved and uh, on a personal level, I was delighted for, for, for the lads who were involved um, on the team. And I think for Offaly to score four points in a row, having been really unlucky at the end of game so far, conceding late scores, to be three points down with five minutes left, to turn it round on the night that was in it, going into a breeze, kicking the points, Lee Pearson's point at the end, attacking from cornerback, absolute heart and guts and pace. But down ran out of gas. Like just down were out on their feet at the end. And I think the churn of players in down mean that they don't have a, have the work done. They they look out on their feet. I think I, I would expect Cork to beat down next weekend. And then I think it's O'Connor Park, 2 p.m. Sunday week for Offaly v. Cork. Winner stays up, loser goes down. That's I agree. I agree. I think that's, that's what's going to happen. I think you, you you're obviously saying you think Ross Common are going to beat Offaly uh, next weekend and I agree with you. I think Cork will beat down, and I think it's going to come down to one <laughs> absolutely monstrous Sunday above in Tullamore. And you know, oh, I wouldn't be conceding the. I'm, I'm not conceding the Ross Common match. Just to well, be you clear about to that. Be, I mean, no, no, will no. be out the gates, or if they win next weekend, no, they won't be because because five points could see you relegated. If Cork beat Offaly in the last game, it goes on head to head for who goes down. If both if both Clare and Mead push on from their four points, which it, is, is it? Oh, it's it's head to head when it's two teams. So, of course. so that yeah. gets that that that. So it would be it would be tight in Division Three. Division Three again. At the bottom of it, Longford look like they're in bother, having survived up in Division 3 for a long time. But Oshin Antrim, Antrim top of the division, looked like they could be going to make it back to Division 2 for the first time in a long time. Well, you've uh, Antrim and Loud on seven points, and they play each other next week. Mickey Hard in one corner, and the McGinley in the other. Um, Antrim won that game last year by a point, I think. Yeah, uh, with a last-minute Paddy Cunningham score from the first game of the league, wasn't it last yards, year? Yeah, um, um, that's that's. I think whoever wins that uh, will go up. I think, yeah, I think by my calculations, I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't brilliant at school or anything. Um, I'm not, a, I'm not a professor of of, of anything. But <laughs> there's a tone to that. Don't, don't, there's a tone. Don't even try this. But, but um, yeah, I think whoever wins that. But you have to say that Loud have made some recovery as well. You know, yeah, uh, look really poor the first day against Leash. Um, so they've made a massive, uh, a massive comeback and Antrim or some story like. And again, lads, no, not to not to hop back to Cork, but what has Enda McGinley given Antrim? He's given him a bit of structure. He's given he's given players a job and and they know their job. Now it's fairly simple stuff now. Do you know what I mean? But I think when you go down divisions, it's sort of it ha- that has to be the starting point, and then you just add layers to it as you go along, layer onto it, and then sort out the big things and then add the little things as you go along and. And the little nuances that you want to bring to your to to the game, but Antrim w- w- when in the McGinley went in, sorted big things, okay, 
and one of the big things was 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 fairly simple. Well, not simple, but one of the big things was getting the right players into the dressing room. Do you know what I mean? So all the good player, all the best players in Antwerp into the dressing room. I know that sounds like a simple thing, but uh, that was a starting point. But uh, they've kicked on big time. You know, um, I'd say Ryan Murray's probably playing as good a football as he's as he's. As Ryan he's Murray's an excellent football player. Yeah, and you know Mick McCann, who you know has that ongoing you know back injury, and and but they seem to be able to manage it. I don't think he does. He's able to do a hell of a lot of training, but. He's been very good. Also, also, you know, Tomas McCann, McBride. They have. They, I tell you what, they have. They have plenty of pace in their team. You know, when we talk about lack of pace in other teams. They have plenty of pace in that team. So that'll be a cracking game because because are going good now. Lauder made like I would say, if you look at any team now, I haven't done the the statistics in it, but you say if you look at any team from the first game and the first team that played yesterday to the team that played yesterday. I'd say there must be eight or nine changes in that loud team. So they've found a lot out during the league as they've gone along. So um, I think they're very close to where they are now. And then obviously, you know, change the goalkeeper, which is obviously a massive thing to put a midfielder in there who had retired, you know, and take him back in and play him in, in goal. So um, there's another example a, of a, a team. Match. That, there's another example of a team that's found their way as the league has gone on as Tipperary in, in Division Four, who took yeah. down Cavan at the weekend by 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 four points, and it now looks like uh, this looked impossible four weeks ago, but it now looks like it's Cavan. Cavan will be promoted, looking at the matches that are left, and Tip will join them. Now it would seem I think Sligo were going to be left um, left back, or you know, I think they're going to fall just short. Yeah, I think. The- the, they're going to be left ruining that game against uh, Tipperary, I think. Yes, I mean, that, was a, that, that was the big one. But uh, I said Sligo and Cavan at the at the start of the season. Uh, I think you said Waterford and Carlo. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, said, I think I, I didn't. I said Cavan and Sligo. I didn't think Cavan would be beating that division though. So that was a massive, huge result um, for um, for Tipperary yesterday. Um, Interesting, just of all you know, this the score difference. If it does happen to come in, I mean, Sligo are, are plus thirty three, um, and Tipperary are plus one, and yet are a you know are a, a ahead of them, you know, with, on seven points, just ahead of them. So, I think you're right. I think I think Cavan, but I still think Sligo have a sn- a, sn- a slim chance of I, going up as well. I I I don't think so because a uh, tip. Taper playing Carlo at home, at home next weekend, and then they travel to London, or then sorry, then they're at home to London in the last game. So I, I just, I think Tipperary just will do that, and I That's, think Cavan's that Carlo, last two that, games. That Carlo game, that Carlo game, just wouldn't know. Just yeah, wouldn't know. I'd, be, I'd be, I would be surprised. I'd like Carlo is there's a lot of good footballers, but if you look at, if you look at the way Cavan Carlo have stepped back from the time that Turlock O'Brien was there, it's it's they had momentum there, and it's it's just it's just so hard in a county to sustain momentum. Like it took such an effort for Carlo to get up to rebuild, get up through four, get into three, and then the energy required to go further. Just there uh, might just, be just one more we twist in that division. I think. I, I have to say, lads, I think I think yesterday at Breffney was a game changer. I really do. I I think. Um, I think it was a huge result. I actually would, you know, I'm trying to think. Is was was there a result? If there was a pools, if there was a pool, if we were able to do the pools in Gaelic football, that was your coupon buster yesterday for me. I, okay. you know, above in Breffney Park, 
you know, I, I'm not I'm not a hundred percent sure where Tip have been at, but where David Power has got them to. Um, I think he's done a brilliant league, job. But I think he's done a yeah. brilliant job through this league in rejuvenating well, that team. Yeah, and I mean, you know, you've all, you know, I mean, it's a cliche to say like Connor Sweeney ended up at one four yesterday, got the crucial goal. You know, I know I, I remember seeing yesterday and on social media, Bill Maher had been uh, black carded early on. I thought to myself, oh, Christ, they're in bother here. And, you know, to come away from Cavan, you know, with a four point win. And as you say, Paul, you you know, I know, Shane, you know better than, than both of us. I mean, what that bus would have been like coming back down to tip like that is such a momentum builder that will just absolutely drive them. And I just I don't see them falling up at home to Carlo next weekend. And did you say London is the last game, Paul? Yeah, London at home in the last game. I, I, look, I put it this way. I don't think it's it's easy to say you are where you are. I really do think that Tipperary should at least be operating in Division 3. Yeah. So I think that that result yesterday puts them in a position to do What's so. What's Cavan's last two games, Paul? Yeah, they're away to, they're away to London uh, this coming weekend. And then their, their last game, I think, is at home to Watford. And Watford are bottom of division four with one point. Yeah. Yeah, but but I will say one thing about Waterford. Uh, if you look at their and I was looking at this last night, Paul, if you look at their scoring difference, Waterford are bottom of division four. So you think to yourself, they must be minus thirty. They're minus three. They were beaten by a point yesterday in Wexford, fourteen thirteen. I'm telling you, Ify Fitzgerald is getting a tune out of those. Waterford footballers they're actually they're better than their league position would actually suggest they've lost a lot of tight games in that Definitely, division yeah. and they are they are improving you know it's 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 Waterford is one of those counties where there is loads of football and loads of people who love football and some great footballers and I I think they really really suffer beside Hurling in the county really suffer by it and I I, I feel for people who love football in, um, yeah, my sorry, my apologies. They're, they're minus 13. It's the team above them are minus 31. I'm just making the point that a team bottom of the division should be far more than minus 13. Sorry, I said minus three there. I just looked at it. It's minus 13. But you're right, Paul, what you say. Ify Fitzgerald is a good manager. I know from playing challenge games down there, there's a lot of very decent footballers in Waterford, and they're probably better than being bottom of Division 4. That's what I would say. We're going to leave it there. Thank you to Larry Ryan for running this podcast, to Raf Rocca, to Jack Neville, to Tony Lean, to everyone at Examiner Sport, and a huge thanks to, to Ushin for joining us today as well. We'll be back soon. Thanks, thanks lads. lads. Alliance. Supporting all 32 counties through the Alliance Leagues.